So, did you ever find out what he meant by you're immune? <laughs> yes. I pick up my coffee and wrap my hands around it, letting it warm me. But that came quite a bit later. You got a productive night of research and even a good night's sleep. Hopefully you're sleeping peacefully here as well. Where did Arcel go from here? You're listening to The Redacted Reports, a Delta Green podcast. We last left our agents, and they were waking up Wednesday morning. They had accumulated quite a bit of information the night before and had quite a busy day. So, what are we doing today? Where are we going? We've got quite a few leads ahead of us. You've got some information about the murderers. And the guy that gave you the information has a solid alibi. He may not have been there on site. So, what are we going to do, agents? Before the sun rises, Rooster wakes up with an ah shit and gets in the truck, drives to the address Sodi gave him, and drops off the heavier, more illegal type things so they're not in a rental truck. That's a good call. So the house that you're going to is in a newer development and there is a RV gate. You're able to get through the RV gate and behind it, you see that there is a secured storage unit near a house. There's nobody in the house, though. Hmm. This doesn't look like Sodi's place? No, does not look like Sodi's place. As a matter of fact, there's no curtains on the inside of the house. You know, you can peer in. This house looks as though it's never been lived in before. I want to peek in the windows. Is there anything in there at all, or is it just bare? just bare. Um, you do see that there is a piece of paper on one of the countertops. The piece of paper on the countertop looks like it's a realtor kind of notice, or like a realtor fact sheet, if you will, from where you're at. It's late at night, and you're kind of creeping around. But the key works on the storage unit, and uh, the storage unit opens up with, uh, you know, a clack, clack, clack as it's one of those, like, lift-up doors. Inside, you see that there are a few more boxes, and there's some ammo crates in here, and you see some uh, gun cases, and there is a very large gun safe at the very back of the room. Excellent. Let's see, Sodi didn't give us any information on, a gu on the gun safe, so I'm not going to be able to get into that. Unless it's just by the off chance badly secured and it uses the same key. No, this, is, this actually requires a, a touchpad as well as a tumbler. Okay, then I'm going to drop off the stuff, still keep our sidearms, the shotgun, and my rifle, because I'm not going anywhere without that. But the sniper rifle especially I'm dropping off. I do want to kind of nose around some of these boxes, because I didn't like the situation we were in in the annex, and I want to see if there's any grenades. Give me a luck roll. Let's see if there's any grenades in here. Because I was going to ask Sodi if this was her house. Twelve. Twelve. Yeah, we're going to say that you do find some grenades. You see a box with uh, 12 grenades in them. Both of them look like they are, you know, a standard, like, M67 grenade. Let's see. I'm going to take three. Okay. 
I'm not going to take all of them, but enough that I can, like, stick in cargo pockets or something just to, or in the glove box in case we run into something before we can get here. Okay. So yeah, you've got three uh, nice little fragmentation grenades that fit well into your uh, pockets. Were there any flashbangs or smoke grenades or anything like that? You do see a, a case of the smoke grenades and uh, the smoke bombs. That case is actually halfway empty, so there are only six left inside. I'll take a couple of those, too. Okay. A couple meaning two? Sure. Okay. Two. So you currently have two smoke grenades as well as uh, three fragment grenades. Excellent. And I'm leaving the thermite grenades from Big Sky with the sniper rifle here. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Yeah, we never used that. Well, I mean, it would get us into that gun safe, but I don't, I don't really want to do that right now. <laughs> don't burn a friendly. Like I said, I'm not <laughs> doing that right now. You stow your things. Um, nothing else really fancy here unless you want to. Uh, well, there's lots of cool fancy stuff, but nothing really that strikes your eye. Um, is there anything else that you want to do here or uh, do on your while you're out on the road before everybody wakes up in the morning? I want to. Basically, I'm making a mental note that second backup hotel status is here okay like we don't have a backup hotel yet but once we do this is safe house because our stuff is here yeah i want to make a note of that to myself and it's still the middle of the night i'm gonna go back and try and go to sleep and see what happens you make it back to the hotel you don't see the news truck out in front of the the hotel and uh, you're able to get in, get to bed, and what Rooster calls good sleep is not what you get this time. It's just sleep. You're able to get a, a bit of a rest. Oh, no. For Rooster, that is good sleep. Yeah, this is on the edge of that. So, but uh, yeah. damn. Not as good. The couple days that you had where you were like, oh, I'm going to sleep really good tonight. That's kind of past. Now you're a little bit more on edge. Maybe it's because you're getting a little bit more comfortable, and that's why you're a little bit more on edge. Or uncomfortable. Hmm. Very possible mechanically do am i losing willpower from this no okay. no it's just your it's rooster's standard sleep just on the border of being a good night's rest and absolutely shit so you wake up <laughs> it's kind of hard to wake up but you do uh i presume everybody's gonna do their normal uh, morning constitutionals the go for the runs and uh hit the gym and um <laughs> is river gonna watch the uh the morning news he probably will actually Okay, do I get my willpower and any hit points back? Yes, so you do You do refill your willpower back to whatever was lost. And how many hit points are you down? Down one. Down one, you're, you're healed back to normal. Your ankle and your leg feels a little bit off. It's tender, but you can walk on it. You just don't want to overdo it. This morning, uh, your run goes off without a uh, haboob warning. No dust storms in sight. It is a balmy 96 degrees. Well, it's not balmy. It's it's really dry. Really, really dry. No dew on the ground. None of those nice things that you're used to in either the Northeast or in uh, Northern California. It's still just hot. Mm-hmm. But it's a dry heat. But it's a dry heat. Quinn, you know, she did get up for her usual morning run. It was a little harder for her to get up. You know, even though she was pretty disciplined, she was tempted to keep watching through the streams to get more information, but she made herself stop and go to bed knowing that she needs to have her morning routine, but her mind was racing. Not only is this turning into a frustrating case, and when she tends to have these as a therapist, it always keeps her up at night, but particularly with kids this age being sucked into a cult, it just reminds her of her brother, who was the one person in her family who didn't ultimately escape. And 
right now. I mean, she's just making that connection. So she didn't get the best sleep. You know, wasn't she wasn't necessarily up all night, but it was a little harder getting out of bed. But I will say on the run, she's probably running a little faster just to try to get some of this frustration out. Yeah, and while Rowan did get a reasonably good night's sleep after the phone call with Alphonse and her meditation routine, she's she's keeping up with Quinn because she has her own frustrations and her own thoughts that she's working through. Not really talking a whole lot, just all movement, no no thought. Besides her usual, like, scanning automatically to make sure that the area is safe. And Quinn is probably pretty similar, not very talkative, but I think they have an understanding of, like, this Mm -hmm. is just what we need this morning. We just need a really hard, fast run. On the way through through the lobby, Rowan will buy Quinn's drink for her as a a silent, hey, I, I hope things are okay, without actually saying as much. Yeah, and Quinn, equally understanding, will give a nod and a thank you, and yeah, I think it will be fine. Cool. You guys uh, do haul ass. A lot of negative time on the uh, the asphalt, so you are you do have a pretty fast run. It built up quite a bit of sweat, blood pumping, and it was a really good workout. River, this is a very comfortable morning. Maybe frustrating for some of the information that you had found out, um, because you've got plans and that you want to check out, and you guys are kind of limited to where you're at now, but because I think you want to go out into the field, yes? I'm worried about the uh, press following us everywhere, though. I think I'm actually going to order room service for breakfast and stay in there until it's time for our normal meeting. Get your breakfast. Normal meeting rolls around. You know, everyone meets up into uh, Rowan's room. Weights have been lifted. Runs have been completed. Showers have been commenced. And the guy's no longer walking on crutches. Maybe has a bagel or a muffin in his hand as he walks into the room. You're looking a lot better, River. Yeah, I'm not going to go running <laughs> if I can help it, but uh, I think I can get around without too much trouble. Good. I know that the recovery from everything that happened sucks, but I'm glad it wasn't worse, especially with a fall like that. Yeah, it was uh, pretty scary for a moment there. Yeah, wasn't it just? Um, I have been back and forth in my head all morning whether or not I should discuss this, but I'm going to because I feel like we need all of the information that we can get. I put in a call to ASAL last night. Uh, what now? Yes, I have uh, an email that I can use to get a hold of ASAL, and I sent an email last night, and one of them called me, and we had a conversation. Well, he talked, I listened mostly. Did he actually say anything useful? There were some interesting things that came out of it. I asked about Project Covenant and all of the information that we could get about it. I did some research on the various databases that I have access to, and I'll actually like pass around my handwritten notes on that so that they can see. And it's exactly what River got, so it's exactly that document. And then Alphonse, the person who called me, uh, filled me in on a little bit more. So... It was a subset of the Office of Naval Intelligence that ran the Medicine Annex, the YYII, but it wasn't it wasn't the majority of the Office of Naval Intelligence. It was a, a subset called P4. There's not a lot of information about them, but P4, another thing to file away, I suppose. According to what Alphonse told me, a lot of the prisoners were not entirely human. I mean, some of them looked human, 
but there was all of the interbreeding stuff that was in the file that I that I handed you guys. But some of them are just flat out deep ones, is what they're called. So is that what I should be saying when I joke with the hand thing now, instead of mermaids? Deep ones. Mermaids. It has the same number of syllables, it scans, sure. Yeah. Not quite as dramatic, though. Yeah, because no one except us knows what deep ones are, and hell, we barely know what deep ones are. What's a deep one? A deep one is someone that looks kind of human, I guess, but they have functioning gills and other anomalous biology. Wait a second, wait a second. Gills. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a wild guess. They have scales, no nose, and no lips. Are you referencing the shape of water? No, I'm referencing the murder scene. What's the shape of water? Water doesn't have a shape. It's whatever it goes into. It's a film. You should... No, never mind. You shouldn't watch it. Why? Nope. Rooster is onto something. I mean, the way the bodies were mutilated. Aha! I told you I'd have it once in a while. Every once in a while. No, that's a good thought. I was thinking that it was more ritualistic, referencing the senses, but I think you're right that they had... Hmm, that's interesting. That they were trying to make people look like deep ones. Well, also the eyelids, right? And fish eyes, and they had the weird chain thing on the arms. So there's more information. Oh, goody. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just the Innsmouth raid that gathered some of these deep ones. P4 had more of them who were taken after a Marine Corps raid in Nicaragua in 1933. The Hispanic patients. Very likely. And Delta Green took over the research sometime between 1939 and 1942. I, I didn't get a lot of information about the rest of it, but there were apparently three Delta Green operations against Deep Ones, including one called Operation Lifeguard, toward the beginning of World War II. Where was that? Was it Massachusetts, I'm guessing? No, somewhere in France. Hmm. Okay, I didn't see that one coming. I mean, Delta Green has tendrils all over the world, I guess. Or tentacles. Yeah, I walked into that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nose first. Well, no, not nose. They're associated with the U.S. military. You know, of course they're going to be everywhere because yeah. that's where the military is. Well, and especially the Navy. The Navy in particular gets a lot of different places. And, well, we are dealing with aquatic beings. And we are seeing some of the same names showing up, like Marsh. Mm-hmm. And says here the Deep Ones were supposed to live at a place called Devil's Reef. Are, are we going to have to investigate every place in the world that's named after Devil? Devil's Tower, Devil's Reef. Why can't we have something nice like Devil's Hot Tub or Devil's Strip Bar? If you wanted something nice, friend, you don't go into Delta Green. Go outside, you can have Devil's Sauna. No, Too it's a dry. dry. Jinx, get me an energy drink from your fridge. You get your own. I'm finishing my coffee. I'll go over and get an energy drink out, and somehow it's fully stocked. I will find out one of these days how you keep getting in here and restocking this. Not my fault you don't watch me when I'm in here. I do have one more piece of, of information. I don't know how important this is going to be, but at some point when, well, when YYII closed down in Arizona and moved to New Mexico, it was because command changed. It moved from Delta Green to someone else. Like, they took over... Someone else took over from Delta Green. I don't have information on who. And it went to New Mexico, right? Yes. When did that happen again? It was during the war, if I remember. 
thought it was late 30s. I think you're right, but I'm not, I don't remember for sure. No, it was 40-something. It was before the medical annex closed, I remember that. Well, right, yeah. because the medical annex closing down and everything moving to New Mexico happened at about the same time. Well, no, it didn't. That's what I remembered. Yeah, I remember it moved, but wasn't closed down. Because the Innsmouth patients got moved first. And, and then it closed. Like, at the same time or afterwards? No, no, no. It, uh, the Innsmouth patients were moved, and then shortly thereafter it closed. Got it. So it still belonged to Delta Green at that point? Maybe. That could be a thread that you pulled. Alphonse wasn't necessarily very clear on that. He just kind of downloaded a lot of information to you real quick. Yeah, I mean, the notes that Rowan took on this are written in a very hasty scrawl. Like, this is the sort of handwriting when you're trying to keep up with someone who is talking a mile a minute. What about the big ending? The more personal side of it? Yeah. Yeah, and Rowan will kind of look down for a second and think, deciding. Alphonse told me one thing more in particular, that I was specifically pulled on for this mission. Gwen raises an eyebrow at that because she would have thought the opposite, that if they had known her background, they wouldn't have put her on this mission. I'll note that eyebrow raise and nod a little like, you know, I would have thought exactly the same. But apparently, according to Alphonse, quote unquote, I'm immune. Um, sorry, what now? I'm immune to something. He didn't say what? Of course Refused to say what, of course. But I'm immune to something. Yeah, not like those a-holes are going to give us anything useful. So, can I ask something a little indelicate? Sure, if you like. Is that immune to something physical or something mental because of what you went through? My guess would probably be something mental, but I don't know. And I'm going to disagree on one thing, that they didn't give us anything useful. For this entire mission so far, I have felt like a dead weight at best, and a liability at worst, especially down in the heart of that annex. This has helped settle my mind, a little bit at least, that they didn't just put me on this to fuck with me, that there's a reason for this, and I can do something to help, whatever that something may turn out to be. All right, so what's next? For now, we continue the investigation. Well, I think the only real lead we have are those kids. I mean, we, there are a few sleases and that we could still follow up with. I'm kind of expecting to find that the, the Abriel family has some kind of connection to this cult and not just being married to Private Ryan. I mean, that may be the connection. I would very much like to see if Ryan's parents or family are going to be coming in to collect the ashes. And if so, they're from Innsmouth. Mm -hmm. So what, you want to see if they have lips and buckeyes? I want to meet them and find out what I find out, whatever that may be. Okay. But that may be the biggest point of connection because it, it keeps sticking in my brain that Ryan's child was the one that wasn't brought down to the main area. And as far as I can tell, her body was not mutilated. That's correct. It was stabbed multiple times, but it did not have any of the uh, mutilations. And to borrow a thought from Sherlock Holmes, an anomaly, whatever it may be, is the strongest kind of clue. So, obviously, the baby was something different than the other ones. 
Mm-hmm. And if they were turning the other people into these ocean aliens things. Deep ones is shorter to say. You can just say deep yeah, ones. Yeah, I forgot what the word was, okay? <laughs> if maybe does that mean that the kid was one already? That's what I wonder. Or the other way around, that they were... that the No, because the adults came from different places. So yeah, probably. Remind me, did they uh, preserve the bodies? The bodies were sent to the crematorium. They've already been interred and cremated. And the Abrel family is retrieving the ashes, as well as the Ryan family. So one thing that I would like to find out from uh, Detective Reardon is when the families are going to be coming to pick up the ashes so we can interview them. And I also want to start digging into the Abril finances because you made a good point, Rooster, about the nanny. If we can get a court order to dig into the Abril finances, we may be able to find out if they had a nanny or any other connections elsewhere, any interesting large sums of money that go in different places. I don't know. I don't know what to look for just yet, but that's a thread to tug on, I think. I'm going to lean back, put my hands behind my head. Ah, two good ones in one day. I like this. Don't get used to it, friend. I'm not. That's why I'm enjoying this so much. Enjoy it. Absolutely. Breathe it in. I'll give him a golf clap. I stand up and take a faux bow before sitting back down. And Quinn's been listening to all these possible leads quietly before she pipes up. We also have identified three possible murderers. Yes. And we are purposely withholding their name from the police because my instinct was the police wouldn't handle it correctly, and I think that was confirmed with Eric Allen. It won't take that long for them to think of the same thing we did and find these names, find these accomplices or potential murderers. I would rather us be able to investigate them before they do. If that's the case, I think we're going to have to head out to Mustang because... I think I was able to get an address on at least Eric Allen Raven. Yes. I mean, we can't touch him because of how the police mishandled that, but... We don't necessarily have to touch any of them. I would just want to follow them, see where they go, see if they're hanging out with anyone else that we already don't know. I mean, my only concern is they've at least seen the car. They probably saw us. So how do we do this without them noticing? Well, I didn't return the U-Haul. I feel like a U-Haul will stand out more than the Tahoe. We might need another car anyway. Do you think um, Sergeant Sodi could help us with that sort of equipment? Yeah, you think we'd be less conspicuous in a Hummer? Oh, I don't want a military, but... But I mean, Sergeant Sodi is stationed in and around the area. I imagine she knows people who could loan a vehicle. A sergeant glance over at, at Rooster. Sergeants know how to get shit done. I'm sure you do. Wait, what? What? What do you mean, you're sure we do? It's a straightforward sentence. I'm not pulling your leg or anything. No, 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 no. It was the intonation in there. That is the word, right? Intonation? Intonation, yes. Intonation, okay. Yeah, no, it was that inside it that... That's just the way I talk to you. You push my buttons. Oh, I hope not. You're not my type. I was about to say, your friend, the uh, corporal, was it? Uh, Ortega. She might know when Ryan's family is coming out. Well, the wake's on Friday, so... Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with uh, the ashes being picked up by the family. No, I'm just thinking that she was pretty close to him, it seemed, so she might. 
So you're going to check with Ortega to see about when the family should be coming in. And you're going to check with Sodi about maybe getting another car. And I'll put in a call to, to Reardon as well to try and find out if she knows when the families are coming in and if there's a way that I can arrange to meet with them. And I... I'll touch base with her to see if the Yuma Police Department has done anything to get a hold of Abril Finances, and if not, start that process. Okay. So you give a call to her. It goes to her voicemail. Do you leave that information over the voicemail? I'll ask her to call me back, that it's non-time essential, but I do need to talk to her directly, because now that I know that there's a leak in her department, I don't trust anything left to voicemail or text or anything. Fair. All right. And who's going to contact Sergeant Sodi? Or, or, and who's going to contact Lance Corporal Ortega? I'll contact Ortega. I was going to say I want to pass both of those actually to Rooster because he has a closer connection to the Marine side of things. All right. I'll talk to both of them. Okay. Did you want to call or text or how did you want to communicate with them? I'll text Ortega and just say, hey, you know when the families are coming in to pick up the remains? Friday morning. We're going to be coming after Honor Guard. Makes sense. This is the player talking. What would or could Rooster do in that situation to add respect? Could he or anything as since he's not active? You could still show up. That's I don't see them saying no to that if you wanted it to arrive early. I'll ask for the time and place so that we can be there to honor him. There is a like a family hall. Sadly, it's been used quite a bit, especially, you know, with folks that are coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan. It is on base where they're going to be having it, and it will be at 0800 hours. I'll say that we'll try and be there. The response is, uh, see you there. Hurrah. And that's kind of the end of the conversation. Were you going to reach out or ask any other questions with Ortega? I don't think so. Was there anything else we wanted to ask Ortega? No, I think I was going to leave it at that. So it just ends with, you know, we'll see you there. How are you going to get in touch with Sergeant Sodi? I'm going to ask Rowan for the business card. I pass it over to him. And then I think I'll call her. After a few moments, picks up Sergeant Sodi's desk. It's her. Hey, Sergeant, this is redacted. How's it going? About the same. I saw you uh, made a visit last night. Yeah, dropped some stuff off for storage and borrowed a couple things I didn't have. Hope that's all right. That's fine. Please return what is not used. Roger. Roger. And then I'm going to go... Can you help us with a ride? Something we can use? Are we talking like, you know, a tactical vehicle? No, no, not yet at least. But hopefully not. Just another car. Oh, a car. Okay, like a civilian car. Yeah. How many does it need to sit? Four plus off-road if possible. <sighs> I don't know about the last part, but we can do the four plus. All right. Yeah, I can do the four plus, definitely. When do you need to buy? Sooner would be better. You hear the jingle of car keys, and then the car keys hit the top of a desk through the phone. All right, I got something here for you. So uh, come on by as soon as you can. Um, I'm going to be here until uh, 1100 hours. Then we're heading out for a little bit, but my office will be locked. So got to get here soon. I'll let you know if we're not coming before 1100. All right. Anything else? Thanks for the help. You're welcome. Oh, hey, thanks for the thermites. (laughs) Yeah, if we uh, don't need them, you can have a couple for fun. Those aren't Marine Corps issue. I want to know where you got those. But we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know in person about that one. Fair enough. Ura. Ura. I'm going to relay all this information back to Rowan and say, well, we got a car. It's on base if we can get there by 1100. I told her I'll let her know if we don't, if we're not planning on it. 
I think another vehicle is going to be incredibly valuable, not just for stakeout operations, but also, I mean, just so that we can split up without having to take Ubers and Lyfts everywhere. So I think this is pretty top priority. Do we need all of us or just two drivers? Do all of us want to go? I suppose it's the real question. I mean, if we are all ready to go, we can start right away trying to find the kids. I think the real question is, how do we ditch the press? Has anyone seen them this morning? I'll actually walk over to my window and like pull the curtain aside just a little bit to look out. Am I facing the parking lot? You are facing a parking lot. Okay, I'll just peek out and see if I can see that white van that I saw yesterday. You do not see the news van. Okay, well, they may not be in the news van. They may go to something a little bit less conspicuous, much like we are. If they think that we have anything newsworthy. Oh, speaking of, did I get a call back from Mr. Hernandez at any point? Not yet. Okay, noted. All right, then, in lieu of anything else to really pull on at this point, let's all go out and get the vehicle on the Marine base. See if anyone follows us. Start trailing some bait out. So because you're not actively trying to avoid anyone, but you're actually trying to see someone, I would like an alertness roll from everybody, especially because everybody's going to be in the car. Alertness. I'm pretty good at this. No, I'm not. Nope. Failed this one. I got a nine. Yay! Yeah. Finally. It's because I got that new dice. So you guys make it all the way to the entrance of the base. Quinn, you notice a news van come around the corner and the journalist, Chris Price, in the passenger seat, and she's pointing at your car. Come around the corner closer to the hotel or close to the base? To the base, where you guys are actually in line to get into the base to go through the gate. Well, our friends are back. I'll look where she indicates. Points out the car, right there. Ah, shit. Well, we don't want her seeing what our new vehicle is, if we can avoid it. So, I guess the real question, I think we find out first if she can get on base, and if she can, take her on the runaround. I'll glance at my watch, as long as we can get to Sodi before 11. It's about 9.30, 10-ish. And the base isn't that big. It can be a labyrinth. Yeah, I've been on enough bases to be like, oh god, how does anyone find anything? You get to the checkpoint, you know, they wave you through, they ask you, you the same questions they had before. I presume that you show badge and roll on through? Yep, same absolutely. Same operating posi- uh, procedure? So you roll up to the building, you notice that they do not turn on to the base. It looks like they stop outside the base, and what looks to be two nice fellows dressed in desert camouflage are walking up to them um, with a uh, pretty stern walk. Excellent. <laughs> We all kind of smirk as we see this happening. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And just to be safe, does this particular... I mean, I, I know most bases do, but does this base have more than one gate? No, this base only has one gate. Damn. One. Well, one public gate. There are other gates that you can roll out of, but only if you're military. Sure. Well, then, we may have to see if we can get Sodi to let us out a side gate. I have an idea, but um, we might not want to use it up right away. Assuming they can spare one of your marine buddies for a while, and they could take this car out for a tour of scenic Yuma. I was thinking something like that. I think that's a good idea. I don't think we use it just yet, but I think that's an excellent idea. If we can get Sode to let us out the side gate, that will be most efficient for today. 
You get up to the building where Sodi works. The door is open. You see that there's Marines kind of walking in and out. And one of them that you recognize from the other day waves at you and he walks toward you. What can I do for you today? Uh, special agent. Oh, hey. Meeting Sodi. All right. Uh, she know you're coming? Yep. He looks you guys over. You can tell he's assessing threat. All right. Go on in. And his eyes really don't leave you. He keeps an eye while he goes back to doing his work. But you can kind of see he's on edge. And you see that two or three other people groundhog up when they see you walk in. And then you get to Sodi's door and Sodi's door is open. Noting that and noting that the Marines are on edge, Rowan is a little bit more on edge now. And just like Mm -hmm. scanning the area and being like, what's going on? What have we missed? It's not everyone. It's just a couple. A couple is too many when it's Marines. You see Sodi's inside. She's got a clipboard that looks tiny in her hands. She looks up at you. Or she's got a tablet, excuse me, that looks tiny in her hands. All right, you guys made it. She grabs the keys and throws them at Rooster. Damn it, I missed by five. Okay. You fumble them. You catch them in your hand. You're like, jingle, jingle, jingle. And uh, they drop to the floor. She looks at you, looks down at the floor, and slowly shakes her head no. Quinn snickers. She's trying to hold it in, but it like her little chuckle comes out too quickly. <laughs> she gives you a stern motherly look of, don't you dare laugh. Quinn will just shrug her shoulders. <laughs> I throw the keys at Quinn. Let's see how I do. Dex. Oh yeah, totally misses. She got an 89. <laughs> yes! They go flying out the room. Sodi is staring daggers through Rooster. She was supposed to catch it. Well, I think with that role, Quinn didn't even attempt to. Like, she didn't even realize it was being thrown to her. And Rowan just pinches the bridge of her nose. Okay. (sighs) I guess I'll go get him. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the wise decision, I think, yes. (laughs) If you would stop monkeying around and throwing the keys, maybe I'll tell you which car it is. You know what? Nope, I'm not going to. There's a parking lot. Don't just stand there. Yes, ma'am. I know that I would have outranked her, but I fucked up. I'm go- I'm leaving. <laughs> That's fair. She looks at uh, the three of you. Oh, that was interesting. Good morning. Terribly sorry to uh, start the day off like this. That's okay. Yeah, we've got the extra car over there. It'll be fun because there's six government issue Black Impalas over there, and those keys are to one of those. I'm sure he'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. You guys need anything else? Well, if we haven't run out of goodwill, I did have a favor to ask. A small one. Okay. Let's see if this exhausts that. Okay. We've been having press on our tails recently. Oh, you too. Yeah. Really? Apparently, Miss Price came in and started waving her camera around. Ah, is that why she got stopped at the gate when she was following us in? Yep. That explains a few things. She was asking about what was going on with Private Ryan. You know, there's getting a scoop, and then there's being fucking insensitive, and she's crossed the line real hard. She's done it a couple times in town. She's not terribly well-liked, I've gathered. Mm, There are some people that like her, then there are others that are smart. We were hoping to perhaps exit the base by an entrance that she may not be watching. Because if we can keep her from knowing that we have another vehicle, it'll make our job a lot easier. All right. To make your job easier as well, what direction do you need to head? The primary gate is on the eastern side of the base. There is a northeast and west exit. Probably the northeast gate, I say I say as player thinking about it, because I want to be heading in roughly the same direction. But maybe it's better to go out the west and circle around to get to the Yuma Police Department. There is also a south gate as well. 
honestly, I think that the one that is furthest away from the gate that she is aware of or is aware that we know of as possible would be best. Okay. So the West Gate would be excellent if we can. All right. We can do that. I'll call ahead. It's going to be the two vehicles. She looks outside. That Tahoe and the Impala are going to head out. All right. I'll let them know. I very much appreciate it. No problem. Are you guys enjoying your stay here in town? Investigation is going as well as one can be expected, I suppose. I'm still wondering what's the weird thing. I'm glad it's not my deal to, to work with, but here, good luck. Thank you. I was going to say, if you want to know, I'll loop you in a little, but uh, don't think you want to know because it sucks. She squints her eyes a little bit, looks at you, and it's and it's more of not necessarily of, a, of an angry look, but more of, mm, yeah, no, I'm not going to ask that question. She shakes her head quickly. Uh, no. Weirdest thing we've encountered so far is that they farm shrimp in the desert. And I wink. She nods. It is strange, but... Tasty. Oh, you've had some? Mm, there was apparently a food truck out in the parking lot. All of my days run together yesterday. Oh, I'll let my guys know that. Most of my uh, Marines don't eat on base. They don't like mess hall. I think it's pretty decent. But then again, I get religious dietary exceptions, so my food's always good. That helps. I have eaten in a mess hall with the more normal fare a couple of times, and ugh. She smiles. We're going to screen wipe over to Rooster. There is a parking lot that is filled with vehicles. He's just walking around with one hand up, going... And pushing the button, waiting for something. I look at the fob she's handed me and realize there's a panic button. Mm-hmm. So I hit that, and the Impala right next to me starts honking its horn. Yes, it does. And it strikes you just a little bit pretty quick, because it was right next to you. Yeah. Look at it. Turn it off. Look back at the building. Can I see? Is there a window that I can see them? No. Aw. I'm sorry. I wish there was. Actually, no, there's not a window, but you, you can see through the open bay door. Oh, if I can see them, I hold up the keys. I go, like, give them a big thumbs up. And Quinn just says to herself, you know, he's, he's having a good day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for something to happen to take all of the air out of his tires. I know. Metaphorically speaking. No, I think it works the other way around with him. There it is. I was I was thinking it. All right. Vehicles have been obtained. You guys head back to the car. You get to the new car. Who's riding with who and who's driving the new vehicle? I can drive one of the vehicles. If we think that there's a chance that Price might get a glimpse of us at some point in the Tahoe, you might want me behind the wheel for evasive driving. Yeah, I'll take the Impala. Has Price seen anyone but Rowan at this point? Rooster. Yeah. The two people who tend to do the driving, hilariously. Well, I guess I could lie in the back seat. I mean, I can drive, but don't count on me for any kind of fancy driving. We don't necessarily need to do fancy driving with the new car if Price didn't see yeah. Quinn or River. Why don't we put the people she knows in the car she knows? Okay, or... For now. Or do we just leave the old one here and just take the Impala? No, part of the point is to have two vehicles. I wasn't sure about that. Just for the sheer ability to get around easily, especially without having to freaking walk or go for a run like you did back in Helena. I have absolutely no interest in running after the sun gets it to a certain point. Yeah, I think that point is up. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. Um, Who's splitting off and who's going with who? I guess I'll take the Tahoe since they know me. I guess the real question is, where are we going from here? Are we going to head out to Mustang and start doing the search? Because if so, we should drive both vehicles back to the hotel and then take the Impala, the vehicle that they don't know. Quinn looks at uh, Rowan and perhaps 
a change of clothes. Yeah, Rowan, Rowan looks down at herself and goes, yeah, I stand out a little bit in this, don't I? I'm gonna look at both of them and go, what, did I miss something here? What, why changing clothes? What? Because I look like an FBI agent, and if we're staking things out, we don't want me looking like an FBI agent. Oh, okay, fair. So, I guess that's the real question. I'll, like, settle back on my heels. Are we going chasing after the kids now? I think Quinn's right. I think that is pretty time-sensitive. I think that's our best lead right now. I was going to suggest we go find that theater. My bet is that we're going to find them in or around that area. That's my hope. Either the theater or the building you don't want to go into. Well, there's a third option. The town that Sodi told us to stay out of that's in that area. The one that they used to practice maneuvers. Yodaville isn't actually a town. It's a mock... Sorry, there were heavy quotation marks around town. I don't imagine that would be something some teenagers could sneak onto very easily. Depends. I'm not expecting it to be just the teenagers. Yeah, I was being hopeful. Honestly, that's something that we haven't talked about yet. Those kids were radicalized by someone. Now, was it someone in town? It may be whoever is typing that particular phrase into a Twitch live chat. My bet, though, with my own experiences, is that there's someone who's a touchpoint here in the area to help keep them on the straight and narrow, so to speak. But hey, that's just a theory. It's a theory. Yeah, and that's something that we need to consider, is that it's not just these teenagers. That there may be adults involved in this, and if we can pin those down, kids are relatively easy to bend, especially by an adult who knows what they're doing. Yeah, and and Quinn nods furiously. Oh, I assume there are adults involved. And if we get our way, these kids lead us to them. Good point. All right, so then back to the hotel for a change of clothes for me and uh, to get into the Impala and then off to Mustang. Well, Quinn, uh, you want to take this or are we going with gender stereotypes for the driver? She'll drive. She doesn't actually get to drive much living in D.C., so she's going to relish having a chance to. You guys hop in the vehicles and uh, head out. You follow the directions to the western exit. As you get there, you see that there are uh, a couple Marines standing guard. They kind of look over, and as you guys are getting there, the gates lift and the uh, automatic barriers drop. I will wave at them a little bit, just like a thank you. They wave as you guys as you guys go past, and once you get past that bump, you see that they quickly close it up again, and one of them seems to call on a radio, so you presume that they're calling back to Sodi. All right, so on the trip back to the hotel, because you guys are both uh, taking the same route, not splitting up, Yeah, I think the Impala will stay a little behind because I think Quinn wants to be able to see if the Tahoe, you know, essentially catches their tail again to be able to kind of take a little detour if we see that we have company. Whoever's driving the Tahoe, give me a luck roll, but add 20%. You've got a 70%. I got a 64. All right. So good. You make it. You do not seem to have picked up a tail. You're confident that you did not. The Impala confirms that. Nothing slides into place behind you guys. Um, As a matter of fact, you do see heading up uh, another road, you see what looks to be maybe the same news van going in the opposite direction. You get back to the hotel. So new vehicle obtained. You guys get washed up because it's been hot outside. Rowan changes into new gear. What kind of gear does Rowan wear? 
She did bring some civilian clothes. So she's in a, a brown tank top with light khaki capris and then like ankle socks and, and her running shoes. Okay. So she's comfortable. But yeah, she's she's at least trying to look still professional without looking FBI. Oh, yeah. And Rooster's out of the blazer and back into his usual cargo pants and an undershirt. You guys hop in the vehicle and uh, head southeast into the town of Mustang. I presume that's where we were going, yes? Yeah, I do just want to confirm that I haven't heard from Reardon or from Hernandez at this point. I now have messages in multiple places. Yes, nothing from Reardon at the moment. Before we get to Muskang, can I just ask uh, Quinn uh, to, unless Rooster's driving again now, uh, stop us off at a, a sporting goods store? You guys find a sporting goods store. Okay, and I'll go in and I'm going to buy a set of trekking poles and two things of SPF 75 sunscreen. And I'm going to toss one of them to Rowan as soon as I get back to the car. Okay. <laughs> I'm not that white. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I come out with the oldest person looking cane I could find. It has got, it has uh, tennis balls on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. The like the four prong thing and the ergonomic handle. And since we're stopping at a sporting goods store, Rowan's going to take a page out of Quinn's book and get one of those refillable water bottles. One of the big ones that can that can double as a weapon if necessary. Home defense weapon. Yeah, got it. Okay, if I see that, you know, well, I'll make sure we get one for everybody. Yeah, just because, you know, save the planet and all that. Don't run through a bunch of plastic bottles if it can be avoided. Mm-hmm. Now, Rooster, you do see those canes. They've got a nice set of them. One of them is black with gold metal flakes that kind of shine. One is pink with purple and iridescent flakes that kind of shine. There is a straight up silver one. And then there is one that is red with black handles and has a Ferrari logo on it. I look at the pink and purple one and then I realize that's too expected. And I'm going to get the Ferrari one for him. Okay. What are you getting keen for? Well, it's for you, since you're off the crutches, so I got this for you. He looks at the trekking poles he just bought. Uh, I've I've got it covered. Yeah, but this is so much cooler. It's red. It goes faster. If I gave out extra experience (laughs) points, I would throw them to you right now. (laughs) (laughs) And if I get a Sharpie, I can draw some flames on it, too. And you ask me why I have that intonation when I talk to you. And Quinn will just give Rooster a bit of a slap on the shoulder and she says, you know, I haven't known you long, but I think I know you well enough to know sooner or later, you'll probably need that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I look at her deadpan and say, I already did. IEDs are no fun. And she gets quiet that she had assumed he was talking about last mission, a football game gone awry. This she'll, she'll nod with respect to that. And then I lean heavily on the cane and limp my way back to the driver's seat. Look over my shoulder and give her a big shit-eating grin. Well, now he's just putting on thick there. (laughs) That is very much a rooster thing. He does put it on thick. It's part of his charm. Hey, rooster. Because you're in charge of the quartermaster thing of the green box. Add a red Ferrari cane to the green box. (laughs) Yes! Yes! Blasting your audio out, Ben. Sorry. I'm excited. It will now make an appearance every single mission you guys do. You guys gather your, gather your things and uh, hop back in the car. Is there anywhere else that you want to stop before you head into the amazing, bustling town of Mustang, Arizona? For once, I don't have a shopping list at this point. 
So you drive into Mustang, Arizona off of Akron Road. It's a small two-lane road, and you see the town ahead of you. It is a town that's been hit with economic despair. The houses have seen better days. A lot of the houses are made of stucco, as most of the homes in the Southwest are. But you do see quite a bit of trailers and other signs of uh, economic downturn. As you're driving in, you see there's a, a few vehicles in a, in a couple people's uh, yards, tires. There's older vehicles here. Nothing really new here. Occasionally, you see a fancy truck, a nice lifted truck, but nothing really that jumps out at you. The two of you that have driven through here before, the first building that you come across is a uh, stationary company and then a grocery store and a uh, dollar store across the way uh, as you continue into town. Right past the dollar store, there is a larger type of building here, and it has a marquee, and it says Isaldo, and it looks as though that it's a movie theater. It's right smack dab as soon as you enter the town on the main drag. It's off to your left. So Quinn will see that and say, theater. Does the theater look like it is active, or does it look defunct? It has been boarded over, so it certainly does not seem to be active at this time. You want to go in or stick it out? A little bright to go in right now. And so where are we where are we going? What are we going? What are we looking for? Who are we looking well, for? Well, the only address we actually have is Eric Allen Ravens, right? Mm-hmm. And we would want to not obviously get right up on the address, but maybe a bit away. So here's my thought. I think that we look at as much of the theater as we can without getting out, see if there's anything that strikes those of us who would have reason to know where kids might get in and out. I, as a former deputy sheriff, Rooster is the kid who probably did go in and out of these sorts of places. See if there's anything that we can spot that might tell us where people are going in and out, if people are going in and out, and then see if we can drive past the Raven household and see if there's any vehicles there. Just do a drive-by, start to have a look around. There is a parking lot on each side of the movie theater. It does look as though that it does loop around. There are other buildings. It looks as though that they are trailers, homes, modular homes or manufactured homes that are the neighbors. We do have a satellite image of the town, and I do have that in the the handouts if you guys want to check it out. You can drive around it, possibly go around the back, but you'll need to pull into the parking lot. There are no other vehicles in the parking lot at this time, but there are vehicles in the homes that are uh, neighbors and nearby. We definitely need to get out and look around if we are going to find a way in. I don't think that's a good thing to do during the day. No, I agree. I think that we do a quick drive around just to get an idea of where the best places might be. I have a couple of ideas from defunct theaters around Alameda County that I've seen, but we'll see, I suppose. Are there any people out of the street? At this moment in time, no, but it is about 1130 noon and most sane folks stay inside for the next six hours or so. But if people have to, you know, get up and move move about, they will, but they'll probably go to their car. Actually, I take that back. You you see somebody walking down the street, just average everyday person, got a ball cap on, indeterminate gender. Is it Eric Allen Raven? It is not Eric Allen Raven. How far away is this person? Right now, maybe 80 feet. They're just walking down the road. Do they have gills? At immediate glance, you do not see any gills. Or bulgy eyes or whatever. They are not wearing sunglasses. Their eyes seem a little bit squinted in the uh, in the sunlight. No, you do not see bul- bulging eyes. Well, why don't we do a drive-by 
at the Raven residence. And since we can't do much investigation outside of the car until it is perhaps darker, we can at least drive around Mustang and look out for things like tags. I'm pretty sure we did just drive around Mustang. True. It's not very large, but definitely look for kids on bikes because Mm -hmm. the teenagers were on bikes, at least up to the medicine facility. Can't say much afterwards, but uh, anyway, sorry. So the address is on 5th Street, and as you turn onto 5th Street, 5th Street is a dirt road, and you travel north, and you're looking at the GPS, and you guys are kicking up a, a bit of dust on the dirt road and the gravel here. It's the second home from the very north from 1st Avenue. So it is kind of out there on its own. We'll drive by it, I think, at a slightly slower than posted speed limit speed, but not at, like, creeping by. Go ahead and give me an alertness roll, because everybody's kind of, you know, looking for things. Sure. Ten. Ought nine. Forty. Eighty-five. And I take that, Quinn, that's a negative? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Because you guys were looking for kids on bikes, you actually do see a bunch of kids cruising around some of the back lot area between 5th Street and 7th Street on bikes, just tearing through the dirt. Three of them look younger, but you do see that there are two that seem to be older age. You're not entirely sure if they're the people that you're looking for. One of the older ones stops and looks at the car. Are the back windows of the Impala tinted? Yes, they are tinted. They're not extremely tinted. It's not like a limo tint. Even the front windows are. But it's difficult for people to look in unless it's at the right angle. They can see somebody inside, but they can't see who it is necessarily. Perfect. I want to watch them, especially the two who are watching us. One of them pulls out a cell phone, types something in, thumbs in some message, puts the phone back into their pocket, and then rides off a bit, stops, and keeps their eye on you. Keep driving normally and move away from here. We've been made. Well, there goes our plan to be inconspicuous. Well, it was a vehicle they didn't recognize. I think that would have happened with any vehicle we brought out here. And looking at the Raven household, there would not be a good place for you guys to stop and not be conspicuous. And it is a small town where nearly everybody knows everybody else. Do we want to leave town or are we going to try to see if we can see if anybody follows us? I'm tempted to say leave come back tonight for the theater but not sure at this point well if we're set on the theater and it seems like we should be because raven mentioned it then we can't do it during daylight hours so i think that's going to be our best option i'm tempted to say we should go into one of those stores and see what the people here look like so am i the only one who feels like a place like this there's a dollar store there's a market And then there's a stationary store. Anyone else feel like that's a little out of place? Come to think of it, yeah, I agree. They probably wouldn't want to spend more on a dollar on stationary anyway, right? Either Mustang is gentrifying or we've got a front. If this is gentrifying, it's uh, not the sort of gentrifying I'm familiar with looking at the trailers. It might be in the early stages of gentrification, but your point is taken early station so there would at least be a starbucks i know (laughs) when she says that i tap the glove box Eh, i'm fueled enough for the moment i got mine this morning and quinn will just say i think i'm in the market for a birthday card really whose birthday is it and quinn just shakes her head (laughs) 
So you're traveling down First Street because you guys are making the loop back down around because Akron Road will be the exit out of town. And that's also where the stationary shop is. As you're traveling down, you do see to your left a sign for a motel. It looks like it's coral on the sign with a fish on it that says Ship Shape Motel. And there is a pirate ship out near the pool. It looks like the pool is empty, but like a, a kid's play area. Rowan's head snaps around so hard her neck actually pops. Just like, sea references keep following us around and I don't much care for that. Well, we were looking for a backup hotel. I'm not sure this is the one we want. No, no, (laughs) no, no. no. And are you guys stopping at the Sunrise Stationery? All right. You pull in, there's two other cars there. It's a small white building with, you know, one of those signs that says open. If you flip it over closed, it's got like little hand clock on it. It's a typical boutique type of store that's kind of in the middle of nowhere. That type of feeling. Is everyone going in? Sure. Ding, ding. As soon as you open up the door, a bell rings and the smell of paper overwhelms you. And then you get hit with the smell of an ocean breeze and salt. I'm going to completely obtrusively put my head up and kind of sniff. It's pretty strong, but you do smell a little bit of a, almost like a soap smell behind it. It's almost as though that someone is burning a Yankee candle. That's like one of the seaside Yankee candles. Rowan pauses just inside the door, her hands clenching into fists for a second before she's able to be like, it's good. Smell is one of the strongest memory triggers. And so she takes a second to be like, nope, I'm here, not there. I am now, not then. And before letting her hands relax and go in. Inside, you see that there are all kinds of little knickknacks. A lot of them are lighthouse-based, boats, coral, fish. And you see that there's three aisles of cards. There's also like a a newspaper stand on the wall, as well as like magazines and whatnot, Uh, like a, a magazine rack. You hear, oh, hello, welcome in. I'll look to see where the greeting came from. A very small man who you would say he'd be elderly is sitting down by the counter. A small man with a large nose and very large eyes and the tiniest ears you've ever seen on a human being. His hair is very thin and slicked back, almost oil-like. And he smiles with his lovely grin. It's warming. It's engaging. It might be missing a few teeth, but it still seems sincere. I'll return the smile with a little nod. Hello, thank you. Welcome in. Are you looking for anything in particular? Just browsing at the moment, I think. Okay. Actually, uh, yeah, I I was looking for a get well card, but my sister, she really likes mermaids. You got anything like that? Sure. Uh, hang on. And he starts walking out and he's a bit hunched over. It's almost as though that his uh, scoliosis has, has got him into a perpetual sea as he walks. And he heads over to an area of the cards and, and points and goes, these are all the get well cards. And he motions, motions with his hands. One thing that you notice is that this guy's hands are pretty big. Like his fingers are long. And the webbing between the fingers is just a little bit more than you're comfortable with. Yeah, I think a lot of things about this are a little more than we're comfortable with. Starting with that smell. Mm-hmm. He looks at you, he goes, I think Jenna might like this one. And he points at a card. It says, get well soon. And he picks it up and has a mermaid on it. I think we all raise an eyebrow at that. Rooster draws his gun. 
I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Ben Sislowski, and I play Rooster. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. I'm Laura Domingo, and I play Quinn. I'm Dan Voshkevich, the Handler. Our story is based upon the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dreams Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detweiler, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. Season 2 is based on the scenario Ex Oblivioni by Dennis Detweiler. If you like our story, there are many ways you can support us. First, you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to episodes, Rowan's written reports for each story, as well as other goodies and opportunities exclusive to our patrons. We offer special thanks to our $20 and up patrons, Victor Von B., Stephen Schwartz, Director Arayo, Jonathan Powell, Skelly Lichboy, and Ben Warner. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. Please support us by telling people about us. Leave a review wherever you get your podcast and follow us on all the usual social media sites. The Redacted Reports is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear, give Quest and Chaos YouTube and Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu on a weekly basis. Join us next week, because outside the bounds of reality lurk entities with names unpronounceable by the human tongue, creatures of hunger and rage that would like nothing more than to devour our insignificant universe. <laughs>